Good morning. Welcome to Bond Sunday Morning Services. Thank you so much for tuning in. I, uh, I'm Jesse Peterson. And good morning to you guys. Good morning. Good morning. All right. We, <laughs> um, today we're talking about uh, the power of discovery. But before I get into that, uh, last week we talked about, what did we talk about last week? The fathers. Or something, right? Was it Father's Day last weekend? Yes. yes. Okay. And some of the women were, up, were upset because they felt that I was saying that the man was better than the woman. Uh, even though I wasn't saying that, they still felt that way. And I wanted to know if anybody wanted to get that off their chest. Because it is true, the man is better. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Anybody have a problem with that? Most people not here today that had the problem. Most of the young women had problems with it. Drove them out. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, an, it's the uh, order that's been ordained by God. It's not like one is better than the other. It's just that when men are men, they function well. When women are women, they function well. You know, I heard a story this week that in Massachusetts at one of the high schools there, um, 18 young girls uh, got together and decided that they wanted to have a baby, have babies. And uh, so they went out and had sex with older men. And none of these girls are over 16 years old. And, and it was reported that even one of the young girls had sex with a homeless guy so she could get pregnant. And whenever they would go back to the school-based clinic or wherever they got the test, and the person said, you're not pregnant, they were disappointed. And when, they dis when it was discovered that they were pregnant, they gave each other the high five. And there are some stories out today that says that that may or may not be true. But the point is, when you don't have fathers in the home or good men running the home, it's these type of things that you end up with. You're going to end up with it. Because they felt that they felt that this was a, a good time to get pregnant, and that they were going to raise their children together. So they made a pact. All of them got to raise, like yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Some said it was seventeen, some said eighteen. So all of the girls decided to do that. But uh, but when you're teaching this stuff at the schools, you know about sex and passing out condoms and carrying on like that, you can expect this kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know what they expect kids to think. I was talking to another thing about young people. I, was, I interviewed a, several black Republicans on my radio show, and uh, they are supporting, well, some of them are supporting Barack Obama. And I'm not telling you how to vote at all. I'm just talking about the impression or the impact that young folks are having on society. Um, there are a number of black Republicans who are conflicted about voting for Barack Obama. And so I have one guy on who has been a Republican for 35 years, and he heads up one of the Republicans' organization in Texas, and he said that he's going to vote for Barack Obama. And when asked why, he said because he's uh, it's a moment of black pride. It's a black pride moment. And also the young people are fired up about him. And, and his kids are fired up about him. So I said, but young people are dumb. They don't know what they're doing. He's like, oh, yes, they do. I can't believe you're saying that. 
But young kids have no idea what Barack Obama is all about at all, and they can care less. I can guarantee you if you did a survey on young people who have voted for him, they have no clue of what he, the old people don't know what he stands for. And so the young people definitely don't know what he stands for, and yet you have older people deciding to vote for Barack because of the influence of young people. Oh, he's been able to bring in so many young voters. Who cares about that? I'm not impressed about that. And, and, but all that is what's motivating folks instead of what is right, what is best. And I guarantee you, if white people came out and said they were, 95% of them were voted for a white person because of white pride, it would be a different story. Oh, it's a white pride moment. <laughs> it would be a different story. I wish that I could make that happen. Just kind of take all the fear away from white folks and have them to come out and say they voted for a white person because of white pride. You know, black folks will burn America down. <laughs> Again, I'm not telling you how to vote or anything. I'm just saying that I don't see or hear common sense in America today. Am I the only one missing this? Yeah, I'm the only one missing it. And I'm not influenced by what the media say, says about anybody anymore. You know, people just don't have that common sense that they used to have in the older days. They go with what majority of people are saying. It was terrible to hear that man say that, that the young people were inspiring him to vote for Barack Obama. And he's older than a doorknob uh, or older than dirt. And these young people don't have no clue about what's going on. They're into partying, sexing, uh, being on, on BET or MTV, trying to look good. And they only voted for Barack because they like what he looked like and the media has given them, given him to giving Barack Obama to them. That's the only reason they're going for him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You got a little shocked. So what? Yeah. Change. All he has to say is change. <laughs> I'm going to run next time. And I'm going to have a, just one little word. Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's what we're dealing with in America. And uh, so anybody have any questions about anything that we've dealt with? Our theme this year is, is what? That's what the theme is? Yeah, practicing presence. Anybody ask you? I'm over here. (laughs) That lady didn't know. But yeah, so any questions about living in the now, being being present right with God in this moment before I get rolling here. Because I just don't want to come every week and teach you without you discovering some things for yourself. Yes, sir. I'm just wondering, when a person starts a pra- uh, practice of the present, living in the moment, does, he, uh, does that person feel like he or she be, uh, is impotent? Is that the way, uh, way we, must, uh, we, think we must be aware of our uh, impotence? What's the definition for impotent? Our inability to do anything. Oh, I see. When you live in the presence of God, yes. do you feel that kind of, uh, you can't do anything? Yes. No, you don't. 
I mean, you still could go to the toilet. Mm-hmm. You know, you can drink water. You can overeat, and all that kind of stuff. But the purpose is, you see that you cannot change your own life, and you don't need to try to change it. And that of yourself, you could really do nothing. And that's what living in the, in the present. God said, "Come into His presence." When you live in His presence. You see that all things are possible and that you, you lay down your will and you don't have to worry about anything. But I don't know what you mean by impotent. Do you? Okay. Uh, I'll give you an example. When a person is sexually impotent, you know that he means he cannot have, have sex. Well, can't have children, right? Right. Can't have or children. can't have sex? Both. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I've never been there, had that problem. Yes. <laughs> but when you, uh, but when I've heard, uh, I was wondering if there's such a thing as what I would call moral or spiritual impotence. They can uh, well, a person cannot be able to do, uh, uh, be able to uh, become a good per- uh, person morally or spiritually. Oh, okay. Well, the reality is you can't become a good person on your own of your own anyway. And even when you're quote unquote a bad person. It's not you that's bad, but it's this other identity that's made a home inside of you. And it is called pride. Your ego is what's directing you in the wrong path or creating a a negative life for you. You're not in control anyway. Either way, it's just that your pride makes you think that you are. But when you come into the presence of God and you let go, you realize that you're not in control, that you've never been in control. Yes, I feel that way. Uh, I'm always tempted by people around me, including my family. I should do uh, do something, do something right. But as yet, when I look myself, I ask myself, can, uh, can I do anything right? And what did yourself tell you? I can't do a, <laughs> uh, do a damn thing right. Oh, it does. It tells you that. Yes. I wouldn't believe that either. What? Uh, you can't believe what self tells you. All right. Oh, by the way, um, the, the phone lines are open at 1-800-411-BOND if you'd like to call in for questions or comment concerning the topic of today. Uh, 411, no, what is the number? 1-800-411-BOND, 1-800-411-2663. Or you can email us radio or church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org. We have so many emails to give out now address, the radio at Bond, Bond Info, now church. And they expect me to remember all that. Uh, any, any questions about any of this? So you guys just came to hear me again. Nobody discovering anything on your own. All right. Yes, ma'am. To me, it seems like it's impossible to stay in the I, It's impossible to stay in the present. It seems like you're always thinking about something like in the <laughs> future or in the past. Yeah. She said, seems as though it's impossible to stay in the presence of God because you're always thinking about the past or the future. Anybody else have a problem living in the presence? Yeah? What kind of problem you have with it? Just what she said, but I think the way I see it is not about always being in the moment, at least not what you perceive it to be. It's just realizing and being able to be aware that your mind does go to the past or the future. And I think the key is, just like with anything, you don't judge it. You just recognize it, you observe it, you see it. And that's actually being in the moment. It's just being able to identify that that's what it is. Oh, it's okay. just, I think for me, 
there was a time when I wasn't even aware that I was in my head, in my imagination. That's now right. I'm aware of it, even when I am in it. I, you know, I, I'm aware that I'm there and I can come out right. and see it for what it is. And yeah. I think that's powerful by itself, just seeing it and recognizing it and not, not judging yourself over it. You want to add to that? Yeah, what uh, I've seen this helped me a lot is just as he was describing and then seeing it and not trying to repress it or control it at all, then it fades and you, and you can live more and more in the moment. Because what I've always done is when I saw it, then I try to push it down, suppress it. That's when you saw what? When I saw that I was in a thought or I had voices, you know, the thoughts talking to me, oh, okay. I would use some effort to try to suppress it, which it would get rid of it sometimes, but it just, it would come back stronger that way. How is it helping you, if it's helping you, to live in the presence of God? Uh, it's turning me into me. Like, my, I'm getting motivation to do what I saw, what I, oh, what, you know, before I would get ideas and stuff to do, but I, always, I would always get pulled by the dark negative thoughts and I wouldn't act on what I saw. Now I'm acting on what I see and I have the motivation to do it and I don't, I'm just like, uh, you know, I, there's just, I'm just getting a lot freer. Yeah. How about you? How is, how, is it helping you to live in the presence of God? Very much. In what um, way? Well, it stops me from worrying. Yes. That was my trouble of worrying, always thinking about something and now I don't I don't really do what he said about suppressing it. I just notice I don't always do this, but when I notice that I'm thinking about the future or the past, it it just fades away because yes. I, I'm in the present. Now isn't that a nice way to live? It's real nice. And you're absolutely right. When you're in the presence of God there is no fear, no doubt, no worry, no insecurity. It's total peace, absolute peace. And when she asked you a question about it seemed impossible to live in the present because she finds herself in and out of the past and the future, um, that will happen for, and will happen, I don't know for how long, but the fact that you know that it's happening um, is uh, uh, an a way of knowing that you are living in the presence of God, that you are in the now, you're not lost in the past or the future. Because as someone said, you could be so lost in your imagination, living and worrying about the past or the future that you don't even know that it exists. You think that that's the right way. But the fact that you are aware of it is God allowing you to see it and he also will take care of it. He'll do the rest. And you just be like a little child and grow into it. You know, don't let your ego, don't let the devil tell you that, oh, you fell in, it's not working, you know, and cause you to judge yourself in that situation. Because every time you judge it, you give it life. You know, you, you give it life and it controls you. You're not allowed to make a decision about any aspect at all. You got to learn to be the observer of it and not the decision maker about it. And that's difficult because if you're not aware of it, if you notice that your ego is always defining everything you do and see, everything you see and do. I mean, you can walk outside right now and look at a building. It'll tell you all about the building in 10 seconds. And what it's doing is keeping you away from discovery, to seeing the beauty of the building, the life that's lived in the building, you know, the life of the building. It, it prevents you from seeing the reality of what's going on. But if you can become the observer of life, it will all work out.
absolutely work out. I was, um, I was thinking this week that it's so sad. Like this thing that we we're talking about is a, a best kept secret from people. It's so sad that people can't see what's going on. You know, they're blinded and not even know it. I went for so long. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week too. I went for so long blinded and didn't even know I was blinded. You know, I, I was suffering. Then I thought that was okay. You have to suffer that way because no one was telling me or pointing the right way for me. So I spent, well, not half of my life, I guess, but up to the last 20 years blinded and couldn't see and didn't even know it. And I think that's a, isn't that like a, why would God make it a secret like that? But it's not a secret, but yet it is a secret. It's just that people are not seeking now to find it. He said that if you seek the kingdom of God in his right way, these things will be added. And what will happen is you'll, you will wake up. I was thinking that I read in the Bible once that uh, some guy had two sons. And one son loved his father. The other would rebel and left home and went away. And he suffered for years. Anybody know that story? The prodigal son. Who? The prodigal son. Oh, okay. The prodigal son. He, he left home, right? I guess he was mad at his father, or it was, he had it too good at home. And so that's why he left the Lord? To seek his fortune. His fortune. His inheritance. Oh, okay. And he left home, and he went out there and just made a fool out of himself. He suffered. He, he got worse in life instead of getting better. He ended up in the ditch. And then through his suffering, he thought to himself, you know what? I had it better at home with my father. And so through that suffering, he ended up going back home and his father welcomed him uh, with open arms. And I thought to myself, that's how I lived for, for prior to the last 20 years. It's like for some reason I left what was right. And, and I know now because of the different traumas I was going through it, I didn't know how to handle them. So I was shed off from what was right. But it's like I left at some point in my life, I gave up what was right. And I went out into the world and absolutely suffered. I was on my own. Like I walked away from my father. And as a result, I couldn't see my way clear. And every decision I made and everything I did was wrong. And it brought on a lot of pain for me. But through that suffering, it caused me to cry out to my father. You know, like, I can't change my life. I'm messed up. Why am I this way, you know? Let me see myself. And then in that moment, he allowed me to see myself and he allowed me to come back to what was right. But and when I came back, I came back a wiser person for it. It's like now I can appreciate uh, being with my father because I, I see the difference between suffering and not seeing and between seeing. And that's what happens when you suffer. You cry out to the father. You come back home and he welcomes you with insight, with wisdom, with patience, with love. He gives you perfect peace when you come back to him. And that's why we have to let people suffer. Those who are out there suffering, you shouldn't try to stop them from suffering because it would cause them to, hopefully some people, to cry out to God rather than crying out to money or friends or things to make themselves feel better. When you come back to the Father, you're going to come back a wiser person. That makes sense? Yes. That, I've never heard that analogy before. But that's what happens when you wake up. And I didn't even know, oh, I forgot that you can wake up. 
But when I sat down to just be still and know God, he allowed me to see. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I didn't know this existed. But I think as a child, I knew it existed, you know, because kids can see it. And they're open, they're honest, they forgive. They don't hold until you, you know, really kill their spirits. They, they, they can see and they love the father. They love what's right. And, but eventually it is cut off and they can't see it anymore. So they suffer for a long time. But suffering is good for you folks because it will, with some people, cause you to cry out to your father and he'll bring you back home and, and kill the fatted calf for you and, and, and finally you can start to live. Yes, sir. The, um, the common thread that brought the prodigal son back is the same thing that um, the other son, Joseph, had when he was um, sold by his brothers into Egypt. He they both had a core honesty where the son finally was honest enough to say, you know, this is all me. Yeah. I've done this. And, and uh, Joseph had a, an honesty where he, um, he couldn't be, no matter, he'd stick to being righteous. Yeah. And all the things he went through, all the, you know, going to prison and everything, it, it, it didn't change his, his um, pursuit of honesty. He lived his life honestly and he did things like they should be done, and he could be depended upon. In prison, he had a high stature. You know, they, they, they put him over the other uh, prisoners, and, and um, that was the way he was in his master's house before he went to prison, and his honesty got him in trouble with the master's wife and all those things. And um, I noticed that in my, in my own life and uh, other folks, they they see their station in life and they, they want to get out of it and by any means necessary. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm down, I'm out, let me just at least be honest. And that will rise them up, it that will. will raise them up. Yeah. But instead they're like, let me get out of this in any means possible. And they, they don't, they're not on time, they're, they're, they don't keep their place clean, you know, their environment clean, they're not on time. Just the basic little honest things, they don't speak honestly and stuff. And, well, one thing I noticed about the pride, the ego, it will not allow you, well, it tries all it can to prevent you from seeing that you're wrong. You know, even when you say out loud, I'm wrong about this, I know I'm wrong. It'll come back and give you reasons why you're not wrong and to blame someone else. But unless you can um, see that you're wrong with not, without any excuses at all, admit that you're wrong, you're never going to be able to come back to the Father. You're never going to be able to lay down that ego, prideful life and come back to the peace that I'm talking about. And I have to tell you, it, it is so sad that Christ has come and he's put everything back in order. And because of the pride of mankind, because of the ego, which causes you to make decisions all the time, you're not living this life that you could be living right now. You can literally have perfect peace right now. But people don't know it. They, they'll believe in a lie. They'll believe in their pride. They believe that voice that's taught to them. Another thing I noticed that this thing does, too, it gives you good and evil, or what appears to be good and evil, and it convinces you that things are either good or evil, and you live your life based on that as well. But when you wake up, you will see right and wrong, but it's not your decision as to what is right or wrong. You don't make, it's, an, it's impossible for you to make that decision. 
That's why you got to become the observer of life instead of the creator of life. You got to just wake up. And that's what the prayer does. It allows you to sit still so that you can come back to consciousness. You can rise above uh, the darkness of your imagination, the deceit of your imagination. And at that point, once you get a taste of it, that's all you need. You're on your way. And people get it. Sometimes they do get it, but they're not conscious that they're getting it. You know, you have a little enlightenment, mo enlightening moment. And, and if you're not seeking, you're not, you don't realize what's going on with you. But if you, um, if you are a seeker of truth, seeking the kingdom of God, and you get that moment, that's all you need. You're locked in, and now you start to grow. You let go of your will. Yes, sir? Just a minor thing of being on time. Um, it's dishonest not to, not to be on time. Yeah. You know, mostly. Uh, there, there's things that traffic jam on the freeway you can't see ahead of time. But usually, most of the time that we're late, it's, it's just because we are dishonest. We're, yeah. we're, not, we're not wanting to, you know, uh, keep our word. And um, that's, those, 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 just those little things is enough to show you where you are. Yeah. And you got it. Instead of that, we just want to make an excuse of, you know, why we're late or something, instead of just seeing that. You got to let go. The more you let go, the better life becomes. You know, you got to just start letting go. You got to be able to see yourself, to see the not you that's made a home inside of you. And the more you just observe that, it starts to change. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to fellowship with others. But if you don't ever come to a point where you become the observer of life, you're not going to get any better. It's, you're just going to have hell in your life because you're going to be driven. You will be driven by a different source, absolute different source. Any questions? You guys look boring today. <laughs> no insight from anyone? Yes, sir, Raymond. Just one, uh, that's an interesting in, uh, insight. Um, <clears throat> You, okay. uh, let me get my uh, let me get my th uh, thoughts. I remind uh, I remember um, what, uh, watching a movie yesterday called Mongol, the uh, the early days of the rise of Genghis Khan, and I re I re and when I watched him when he was a child, I realized one fa factor: he became a he like so many of us became ultimately became the product of the environment he. In, uh, he uh, he was in simply because he let get uh, get inside of him, and in in the case of Genghis Khan, it was a very very harsh world he lived in. And how does that relate to your life? Then I, uh, in a way, I'm uh, I lay uh, I lay my environment get the better uh, I lay my environment getting the better of me all too often. Uh, you know, another thing that I I love or appreciate about being born again is that. Um, is that you, you know, things are added to you, you know. You see clear. You don't have to worry. There's no doubt, right? But every day, something good is happening. And you have no clue about what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't, you don't think about what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't worry about, even when you're working on a situation, it is impossible to worry about it because there's like this love that's there that gives you the confidence that everything is going to be fine. 
As a matter of fact, he said, God said that he would take care of us. We don't have to worry about things. But if you're not born again, if you're not into this other reality, you find yourself worrying, even knowing that he, he said you don't have to worry. But when you live this life of, of the moment, of, of being in his present, of the now, it is impossible to do that. It is, it is impossible to complain about your life situation, whatever's going on, situation in your life. You cannot even find the words to complain about that. Of course, your ego is trying to get in to make you do it, but you see that and you don't give in to it. But when you live this life, you're not mad at your enemy. You're not taking things. So I know people personal. I know people who just live on the edge. You make a joke to them, they take it all personal. You know, and they're like, they're constantly protecting their ego. They're constantly protecting their pride. And when you, but when you are born again, you come into that, you see that that ego need to die. And there's nothing in you that want to hold on to it. Even if it means losing the world around you, losing every friend, you start to see that folks are no good anyhow. You know, they're not honest with you. They don't, you know, they're not fair. They don't, they want something from you. They don't have real love for you anyway. But when you're living in darkness, you think that the world loves you and it doesn't. But when you can see, you realize that. And so when you know that, you know what, these people don't care about me anyway. Why would I want to sacrifice my soul for fake love? You know, why would I want to do what I, I was talking about earlier? And again, I'm not telling you how to vote. But why would any man or woman of God vote for someone based on their color? I don't care. That is, you know, and a lot of you people say that they're Christians. I asked them, well, you believe in God? Yeah. Well, do you support abortion? Do you support same-sex union? No, I don't. But this, this person that you voted for support those things. Uh, oh, that's not true. Or, or we don't agree on everything. You know, the ego gives you reasons to do wrong. And that's why this world, the world, the families are falling apart. The world is falling apart because this country or people in this country become prideful people. It's all about self. It's not about what is right. And in the good old days, it was about what was right. What is best for the country? You know, I have some black people tell me that they are mad at the Republican Party because the Republican Party won't do for them. When I became a Republican, I became a Republican because God changed my heart. My values changed. And so my values no longer agree with the Democratic platform values. And so I became that. Not even I didn't even know a lot more about the Republican people, you know. My values change. So when your values change, you now live a life based on what is right and not what is black or white, male or female. It's about what is right. And you absolutely can't help yourself. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, I realized this last week that um, my greatest problem in my life has always been an improper motivation, whether it's to, you, it's easy to see an improper motivation when you're doing wrong, but what where I failed to see an improper motivation is when, I, is when I'm doing right. Yeah. So I, I, I realize when I, um, when I get disappointed, when I see I'm doing wrong and, and uh, real upset about it, I never realize that that is the wrong motivation to do right. Because I'll do right for a while, and it'll give me a little ego high to do right. Yeah. And, then, and then when that ego high, disappears and there's more of a high to do wrong again, 
then I'll go do wrong again and then get that high off getting wrong and then the low off get off realizing I've done wrong and then the high again off of um, doing right and it's just a back and forth thing. Give me an example of what you think doing right is. Well, for instance, um, we'll take something uh, just where you didn't speak up and um, uh, you, you, sh you should have said something you didn't and you know, it, you know it, uh, that that was a wrong and uh, uh, then, then you'll feel disappointed in that, oh, you know, uh, there's, there's the evidence that you haven't grown, there's the evidence you reek and all this stuff and, you'll get, and I'll get disappointed and, and uh, down and then uh, I'll want to, you know, it kind of gives me an energy to want to solve that, to right, wait for the next yeah. opportunity and stuff because now I'll have negative energy to want to, you know, solve that but as soon as I've solved it and it's over, I feel good and then um, the only thing that gives me motivation now is to want to do wrong. You know, because it, it'll give me the next high, which will give me the next low, and then yeah. on to solving it again. Very good point. Yeah. Pat, I want to tell you what's wrong with that. Who? Pat does. And then Franklin. The guy was on the wrong side of the Well, maybe he's got I mean, I think it's self-evident what's wrong with it. What's I wrong with it? He understands it. Well, you know, it's just a, a performance-based life, you know, that, that, that's, you know, you're, you're kind of a puppet. Uh, you know, you're seeking out a new high or you're making a, a quote-unquote error in your mind, which means that then now you've got all this energy to kind of make it right by going and speaking up and puffing your chest and feeling good again. Yeah. It's just, it's, 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 um, it's based on all your pride. It's based on pride. It's pride-based because it's based on your outer performance, and it just has you running around like a fool, really. Yeah. Instead of just because being the observer of life means being the observer of life, it means observing yourself and learning when you didn't quote-unquote speak up or everything. You can learn in every situation whether you spoke up, didn't speak up, whatever you happen to do. Uh, if you have the right attitude about it, you will learn, and, and the situation that you will need to deal with will come about on its own. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, for me, this week was a, it's a powerful week in that uh, I discovered some things about myself. Um, I can kind of see that, you know, what you're talking about, you know, having an opinion of yourself and kind of thinking something's right or thinking something's wrong. For me, the most dangerous thing is saying I think that's wrong, I can't do this and I can't do that, or I think that's right and I think that's wrong because a little piece of God is inside of us and what you say will condemn yourself. You will live and die by those words. And it, was, it happened to me. And so, um, you know, watch out what you say. Watch out what you say. When it comes out, it, it will be. You make a good point. When you, you know, if you miss a moment of speaking up or you're not even allowed to judge that missing the moment. You just see that you missed it. But it's your ego that steps in and say, oh, you didn't speak up. You're weak. You're not a Christian. You know, you're not in the light. You're not with God. And if you believe that, that's when you go and really make a fool out of yourself. But if you, if you could just live a life of, by walking by the light and not making decisions about what is good or what is bad or what you've done right or not done right, then you can deal with it in the right way. But a lot of people do make that decision. I should have spoken up, and now they're mad about not speaking up. 
And then they go out and make a fool out of themselves and speak up at the wrong time. Quiet then from now on, and, yeah. and, and then you'll be overly quiet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, That's it, right. You're constantly doing that. Speaking up at the right time is the right thing to do, but we can't determine that moment of when to do it. We have to see when to do it. We have to walk. God's God's light is like a light unto our feet, right? So we have to walk by the light so we can see when to do it. I know a lot of people who made mistakes by, you know, reading the Bible and going just housing people with the Bible or being still and knowing the truth. They'll hear something I say and they'll go out there and pounce on people with what I said and they're just out of place, out of line because they're not. I just had a thought about someone too, but I won't mention it. But uh, they're not because they're not being guided by what is right. They're guided by what they have learned and they're trying to make it fit in and they're missing the moment. It comes out wrong. I have this, like, when a thought comes in for me to say something, especially when it's a joke or something, um, there is an energy. And when, when, Fa- when, when Fabian earlier was saying, uh, 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 anyway, there, there's an energy that this has got to come out. You know, and, and it's like, it's like uh, when you don't do that, it's, it's, it's like repression. And you're like pressing that that energy, you know, because the the thought is now connected with yeah. my ego, and I, I, it, yeah. it, there's an energy there that just it's got to come out. Yeah. It's, it's too good. <laughs> It'll make me look too good. Yeah. You know? And it's 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 um. It you have to resist crazy. it. You just have to watch it and resist it. Resist. Yeah. Let go. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, back to what Frankie said. On my job, it's a guy that I work with. It's real difficult to work with him. And just like you said, you know, your ego wants to battle or deal, deal with, you know. He's difficult to work with, what do you right. mean? Well, as you say, when you observe, you realize what motivation is coming your way. And it's, it's almost like he's intimidated or he's uncomfortable, you know, working with me. So uh, he'll say certain things to try to, I guess, feel that he's working, working better than me, he's achieving more, whatever. But uh, in the past, you know, you would have a tendency to deal with it, speak out or whatever. But I noticed that the more I'm quiet, the more I'm just observing, then it confuses him. And like you said, when we learn to, you know, hold back from what we're used to doing, speaking or acting, you do become more wiser how to deal with it. Yeah. The one thing that I noticed that I used to be guilty of and I'm now overcoming is that there is a tendency to want to judge everybody and everything. You know, uh, for an example, someone comes to you and they say, well, oh, how do you like, how do you like um, this song I wrote, right? And you're, right away you want to judge that song as negative and based on how you feel about it. it, it it's not really based on what the person is thinking of it. It's all about how you're feeling about it. That's one of the reasons that it is you can make a mistake by having a desire to do something, to start a business or whatever, because it's a, you can make a mistake by going to someone else and asking them what do they think about it. And I remember I used to want to start a business or do something, and the moment I went and asked someone else, oh, you know, I'd like to buy a car. 
what kind of car do you think I could get? I'm getting a Ford. What do you think about it? Oh, that Ford is no good. Or oh, whatever the car it is. And I lose the desire to, to uh, get what I want because uh, the person that was advising me was judging what I like. You know, it's not, it's not like they told me what they like. They didn't tell me what I like. I mean, like a red car, you know. But the moment you get someone else's advice about it, if it's not a person that's walking in the light for sure, they're going to give you the advice of what they like, and you don't know that they're giving you their, they don't like your like. They like their like, but we tend to take their advice based on what they like. Have you ever seen that happen? I made so many mistakes by doing that to other people and taking other people's advice. And I didn't know that they were giving me what they like. I, I have a friend of mine who bought a car recently, and this friend of mine loved this car, loved the color of it, but the people around him didn't like it because of a certain color, and if he wasn't strong enough to hold on to it, he'd go back and get somebody else's color. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But if you can't see what's going on, that's how you live. Because people, and I want you to watch that this week, this week, watch yourself, you're not giving people advice based on what they like. It's what you like. But you think to yourself, you say to yourself, you believe that you're giving them advice based on what they like, but it's not true. It's your liking. Because we have already judged the other person liking. And if we didn't like what the other person liked, we're going to get them advice about Have you noticed that? We do it ourselves to others. Because we are constantly judging all the time, and not, we don't know that we're judging. We absolutely don't know that we're doing it. We think that we're giving the best advice. That's why when you're in the light, you cannot do that. You can only see, and then you're giving out good advice based on what that person wants. Now, it's going to be good and true, but it's not going to be from your pride. You know, I may like to wear black jeans all the time. And I ask someone, oh, what do you think about me wearing black jeans? Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, take them off, right? And now I'm wearing what they want me to wear. Thinking that they've given me sound advice. One That's of the one worst mistakes that people make all the time is to seek a lot of advice. Now, you should find somebody that's pretty wise and they can see what's going on and they give you sound advice, but still the final word should be yours. But the, the thing about that, they, they don't see what they're doing because they're not conscious and they don't know that that voice that you hear in your head it's always making decisions about everything, about everything. So you think you're giving out the right advice, and it's not the right. And that's why it doesn't work out a lot of time for people, because they're not considering you. They're considering themselves, and they don't know it. I just discovered that about myself. I have to really watch myself so that even when I'm counseling someone, I have to watch myself so I can give them wise advice, not based on what I would do, not based on what I think about it, but what is right. But if you're walking in the darkness, if you're not walking in discovery, you're going to give out the wrong advice. And that's why people suffer. That's why they give up. That's why they don't try, because they have taken somebody else's fears and their doubts and their worries. They are taking them on. And the people may mean well about it, but it's just that they can't see what they're doing. Absolutely can't see. I saw our hands over here. Yes, sir. Addressing uh, Martin, you know, what you described, what you described before, 
So you're too involved in the process of being right and wrong. Way too involved. What, what you need to do, you need to be quiet in that moment. When all this stuff is going on, running around in your head about the way you described it, just stop. Uh, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say that, but you just, you just be quiet and let it happen. Let it happen. Then, uh, then, you, then you, because otherwise you're tempted to be too analytical and, uh, you know, for, against, and all this stuff. Well, that's why when you, when you come into the presence of God, you live in the moment, then you don't have those words, you don't have that way of living. It's impossible to live that way. It's impossible to be confused about anything. It's impossible to live in the past or the future. So things just start to work out. But the moment you make decisions, the moment you judge things, like when we walk out of this room today, just watch how your, your imagination is going to judge everything. And you, and you get locked in and you start living it as though it's real. But if you can just be aware of that, then you, you're not like that. You know, things are just smooth. Your pathway is made easy. Your burdens are light. Your decision, the decision making is clear. Because, you know, we don't make decisions anyway. Even when, with our imagination, we are not making a decision. It's coming from a dark place. But in the light, the decisions are made for you as well. As a matter of fact, what I started to say earlier is that the power of discover causes you to, uh, you, know, uh, you know how the word was made alive, the word became life, it became a living thing. Well, when you're living in a moment, you become a living thing, person, or spirit. It's a living thing, it's a, it's a discovery thing. It's like, you know, you don't know it. I was thinking this, life is not about, life is not, and then I'll come to you in a minute. Life is not about living, life is about discovering. That's what it's like, and it, it's something else though. It's about discovering, it's not about living. But yet, you are living, but you're being, you're being made alive. But it's not about living. You know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, life is about living. You know, the drunk think life is about living. When I used to smoke marijuana, I thought life was living. You know, I'm living my life. I'm doing what I want to do. This is my thing. Nobody tell me. But life is a discovery thing. And, and, and it's, it's different from yesterday. It's different from the, the, the moment you just had. It is a living thing that you start, start a, a way of living. You know what I mean? And that's what's so beautiful about it. And I'm coming into all this. I'm discovering this. On, that's when, you know, you guys come here on Sunday sometime and you have no life. Nothing happened during the week. You didn't discover anything. So what you do, you force me to become alive. Because otherwise, I'll stand here a little stupid, right? So I got to keep seeking. I got to keep understanding. I have to pay attention. Because I can't even imagine now going through a whole week and not having nothing happen. I don't know how you stay alive like that. You know, what? What are you doing? You know, life is, when you start, when you get on that pathway of discovery and you become alive and you start living your purpose, your purpose, how can I put this? Your purpose is a living word because there's no end to it. Life itself has no end to it. You know, God said, here's the Afro and the Omega, Omega, the before the end. 
There's no, there's no ending or, be, or beginning. It just is. You know, and that's how life is. And for me to know this, anybody can know it. Because I'm not that smart. I'm black. And I'm not that smart. And so I'm just, I am discovering this thing as I go. And nobody's telling me about it. I'm discovering it. That's why you guys got to not rely on the preacher, not rely on the teacher, not rely on the politician, not rely on your daddy or your mama or your husband or your wife. You got to seek this for yourself because no man can give it to you. And believe me, if, if I can discover it, and when I say I, I have this desire to know. I really, and the more I know, the more I want. And I can see there's no end to it. It's just a continuation of something. There's no beginning and no end. But in your imagination, there's a beginning and an end. Have you noticed that? It's two ways of, of living this life, folks. I, I come to my office sometimes all excited, thinking I'm working with holy people. And they're going to have some deep thought, too. They look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to rest on this one. I just have to enjoy it by myself. But there is no in the light, in the moment, in the presence of God, there is no ending or beginning. It just is. It is a discovery. It just, it, it's a discovery. There is no, it doesn't seem to have a form or a shape to it. You know, I, I read somewhere, and I don't know remember why, where, but somewhere in the Bible says that the world around us is the imagination of God or something like that. It's his thoughts. It's his imagination, right? It's his um, insight. Is that somewhere in the Bible like that? Something like that? Uh, the image that we see around us is his imagination. He made it happen. So like we live inside of us, there is no form of shape to it. It's like a, uh, nothing, right? But what comes out of you create what's inside of you. You create what's, what you see that's coming from within. I, I'm, I'm nutty here. Because there is no good in ego. There's no good in pride. Ego keep us separated from one another. And, and the way it does that, it constantly causes us to judge one another, to make decisions about the other person. The moment you do that, you're separated from one another. You're set apart by yourself. There's nothing good in it at all. That's why you got to be still and know God so he can bring you out of it. And that's when you can start living. But there's nothing in, within your imagination that you can depend on. It brings you false pleasure and false sadness. And sometimes sadness seems like pleasure. I know people who hate others, and they get, a pleasure, they get pleasure from that. But it's in the destruction for them. We are condemned by our words, and we're justified by them. Because when you're living in that world, you're going to be speaking and carrying out what you're thinking. Because you believe that is you. And so you're going to bring to pass what it is, what's in you. Now, if you come from consciousness, the mind of God, you're going to bring out a different reality going to come out of you. You're going to create a different environment around you. Matter of fact, when you see it, you're going to automatically stop identifying with it. And that thing is going to start screaming because it doesn't want you to leave. It doesn't want you to depart from it, right? So it will try to make you doubt yourself. But if you just observe it, it has no power. And God said it's not us, but it's the sin that's made home in us, made a home. It's a false self. And there is no good in it at all. 
You could be mad at someone thinking that they're thinking something about you. You see them, they're, not, they're like, what are you talking about? And then you can't believe that they're being honest about not thinking that because you're living in that. But the thoughts are from darkness. You can't believe anything about it. Yes, sir. Um, trying to make sure I got my thought question down, but <laughs> you're trying to separate yourself from that world. Um, is that the process of salvation? In other words, if you're, you know, we're born in sin, and if you're like a sinful person, can you still separate from that nature without being born again, or is that the process of being born again? Very good question. Jay, you want to respond to it first? He's like jumping up and down. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. And, and why not? Uh, because it, it, it just seems like that's what salvation is, is becoming free. Becoming free? You know, this is why um, God said for us to seek first the kingdom of God in his right way. Because when you seek him first, these things start to make clear, uh, start to become clear to you. Really, it will come and you will see what goes on. But you got to put him first. And I mean, seriously put him first without being serious about it. Just have a strong desire for it, you know, and start to watch yourself and be honest. And it will be made clear. That's a good question that he has. I know Pat won't answer, but it's a very good question. Yes, Pat. In the question of saying, uh, you know, I want, I'm trying to separate. What was his question? Um, it had to do with, with if you're something about trying to separate, um, is that the process of being born again? Something like that. I don't know if that was exactly right. Repeat your question. Okay. I mean, I can myself, when I'm, I'm able to separate from myself and see those thoughts and those feelings, but yet sometimes it'll pull you in. It's like a, like a sticky thing that just kind of, pulls you in. So my question is, when you're separating, when you're separated from that world and you're observing that world, is that the process of salvation? Or can you do that unless you're born again? I don't know all the answer to that, but let me just say one thing about it. In, in separating, there's kind of a key point because there's, there's separating when you, when you put any effort into it at all of trying to separate, people fall in the water. You know, there's like, there's like the ego gets pulled into trying to separate from whatever, whereas the, 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 the simple way and the way of salvation is to see, is, is to see that when you're in, when you're in that in the moment you're getting pulled in or something like that, to see it without the effort of trying to extricate yourself from, from the water. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, that there's, that's kind of like a really important point because that's what yeah. everybody tends to do is try to start grappling with the beast, you know, instead of letting God handle the beast for you. you know? I want to make sure you get this answer. Did that, did that help a little bit? That's helping a little bit. A little bit. I guess I think I do that struggle with it a little bit, but also there's moments where you just see it and it's, you just see that you're not part of it or that you are part of it. But my question is, is that the process? Is that salvation? And can we be the observer if we're not born again? <laughs> you know what I'm uh, okay. Yeah. Very good question. Yes, sir. You had your hand about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, salvation. Salvation is freedom. And 
once you have salvation after the, after Christ died and rose again, you have it, and um, you're not tempted by your thoughts or your imagination, and you don't fall into temptations because you're not fooled by it because you can see. If you can see, then you you won't you know you won't fall. But his question is, uh, could you could you are you saved first and then you can see? Or could you see why you're a sinner? Right, exactly. I, I don't think so. I mean, you're kind of putting the cart before the horse. Which one is the hot horse in the cart? You have to kind of, you, you have to have the desire for it in your fallen state. Yeah. And then you'll be, you'll discover and you'll, you'll see and then your salvation will be given to you. But if you're, if you're not hungry first, uh, if you're not hungry first and desire him first, in your depravity or where you're, wherever you're at, then you know that you, that's kind of where the start. You got to be hungry and have a desire for it, and then he'll take that out of you. He'll take that out of you. I know. So, so his question is: So you're not saved first? No, you're. You're not saved first, and no, then you see. No. Or do you see first, and then you're saved? You see first, and then you're then you're saved. It's a gift. It's given to you. Okay. Now that you, 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 you've. Uh, You've repented and you're sorry. Now, now I'm going to give you salvation. I'm letting it down because he's raised his hand so hard, like, like he's exercising. I just had a clamp in my hand. I had to throw it up in the air. Okay. Um, did that help? Not really. No. And anyway. John, did you want to respond to that? Yes. Okay. You know, uh, to be able to observe. No. Answer the question about. Are you saved first and then you see? No, but or I'm do you see I'm and then you're saved? I'm coming to it. Uh, you know, in other words, you know, it, uh, uh, Francisco was heading in that direction. I just wanted to expand on that a little more. If you really truly have a desire in you, and uh, I mean, it, and, and it's a, a great desire, okay? Uh, and that is really the most important thing right there because then eventually you will get there. You will be able to see. You, you will be able to observe. You will be able to, th you know, to, to do the things that you are alluding to. I mean, not be able to do it. They actually are happening. They are actually happening. So which come first? Uh, you know what? I think that the most important thing is really have that hunger and have the desire because it will happen to you. You will be able to see. You will be able to observe, and it, it just it just comes about. It okay. just comes about. All right. Did that help? No. That didn't help. This guy's gonna really not gonna get saved. Today. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. I was saying he's already seen. He said he sees already, so he's already seen. He's not saved. <laughs> <laughs> she said. Uh, he said that he's already seen, but he's not saved, so he already seen. <laughs> he already seen the answer. If he already seen. That's a good point. Because if you're not saved, how you see? I don't know. That's my question. Yeah. But you're still a sinner, right? That need to be saved. Yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. A very good question, man. I'm sorry you're not getting any help from the audience, from the congregation. Hope I get some help before the meeting is over. So far, you got the best help from uh, those two ladies. Yeah. So you're going to be saved by women after all. <laughs> yes. Okay. My, uh, my idea is that it, if, you go, uh, if, you be, if you're going to be saved, is it necessary to see that you are not saved? If a, 
in order for a child to walk, to me, in order for a child to know what it is to walk, he would, uh, that child would know how, what it is to fall at least a thousand times before it realized what it takes to walk. That, to me, the same as uh, salva uh, salvation. We, our first... Uh, I had to make a note here. We have to, um, uh, we have to realize what salvation is not, or else we won't, we won't know salvation if it hit us. Oh, yeah? Yes. So you have to realize what it's not before you can know what it is. Yes, we have yeah. to realize what, uh, what, uh, that we're not saved and why we're not saved. Okay. Yes. Yeah, and then I'll take this young man right here, I think. Okay, I propose that salvation is gratitude. And, um, so do you have I, to have gratitude before you're saved? Yeah. Or? You have to have gratitude for what you're seeing in the, at, right but at the moment. How do you have gratitude for suffering and hurting and being lost and scared and Cause, all that? Because no, the gratitude of knowing that's where you are. Oh. And from that, from that gratitude, being, being thankful for seeing what you can see, then that allows God to give you the grace or, or the um, ability to see more. He's not going to give more to those who aren't grateful for what they see. So when I'm, when I'm doing my little getting upset at what I see and then trying to solve that and stuff, that's as far as I'm going because the initial thing was I judged, I wasn't grateful for seeing what I see, and then I just, so are you I just stay there. <laughs> are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And which came first? The chicken or the egg? I just said, um, I finally became grateful for what I was seeing. And, and I became grateful for just for being alive and being able to get, just see what I'm seeing. And, and even to fail at what I'm failing at and stuff. And just to, because I know there's, a, there's even a, 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 a seeing below or, or above what I'm seeing. And, but what was always kept me down is, is just wanting Amazing. more, wanting more. This is so I want more sight. I want more sight. And I, I wasn't even happy with what, I, what I'm giving. Yeah. Okay. John, were you, did you have your hand up when you were exercising? <laughs> no, I already, I already said You already said it? Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, don't, I never quite get the question. I don't quite get the question. The question is, am I saved? Is seeing, being objective to thought, is that being saved? Is that the question? Well, that's a question? That's uh, part of it. Uh, which came first? I mean, actually, I have another question now. But uh, the question <laughs> is, when you're able to sep be separated from that nature, is that the process of salvation, or are you already saved in order to be able to, when you can see that? So the question is, when you're able to see your ego, not you, are you saved then, or does that come later? Right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't if you're able to see your ego, you're being separated from your ego, right? Right. So at that point, are you already saved? Or my question, this one I want to know is, am I really saved or am I being tripped by the devil into thinking I'm not in those moments where I'm caught up in my imagination? Does he tell you that you are saved or not saved? Um, I feel like when I'm in kind of fall into those things, I believe that I'm not saved in those moments, but I'm not really sure at this point. And do you believe that when you're out of it that you are saved? I don't know. But I'm you don't sure know what you believe? I'm not sure. Because I can see you now going, yeah, I'm saved now. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not saved now. 
just fell into it. Very good question, man. And I'm glad you asked it because I see that these folks don't know. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Did you want to try to answer that or well, you just well, trying to figure out the you question? You want to be separate. You don't want to be lost in the, in the thought. That's bad. You're outside watching yourself. You're saved from being lost in that, in that position you were in. When you were lost in the thought, you're lost. Are you just saved? You're saved moment? from being lost in the thought. And my question is, I believe that if you're saved, you're saved, period. You're not just saved in that moment. So I'm thinking if you have salvation, then you are born again, and you're free of that. So can you just be saved in that moment, or are you saved forever? Well, well I, would need, uh, I don't even know why, why, why are we trying to figure out if we're saved? That's what I don't get. I'd like to know. Uh, you'd like to know if you're I'd saved. I'd like to know that I'm you saved. Mean you want to know if you're completely saved. Yes. That's what, it, that's yeah. what the bottom line is. That's yes. what it is. Yes. You want to know if you're completely saved. I have no idea. <laughs> You'll find out when you die. <laughs> Make sure you drop us a note. <laughs> Uh, very interesting question. Uh, by the way, uh, to the folks who are visiting with us by way of the internet, you can call in at 1-800-411-BOND, 1-800-411-2663, or email church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, with your question or comment right now while we're, there are people waiting by the phone or the computer there to take your emails. Yes, sir. You know, one thing I notice about uh, your, your mind, it's impossible, it's impossible for your mind to be still. The mind will not allow quietness. There's always a question or an answer or a thought or a definition. Your mind is always going 24 hours a day. And you know, in some questions, some questions that you have should not be asked. If you so you shouldn't ask if you're saved or not. Well, some questions will be they'll be they'll be asked for you. The uh, the Holy Spirit in you, inside of you, will answer those questions. If you go to trust, if you have a questions, some questions should be asked, but some questions you should allow to be discovered within you, and it will be answered. It'll be answered for you. Um, you know, discovery of myself that my mind would not keep quiet. Um, you know, it was a great thing for me. And the other thing, discovering that it's like a math question, a math problem on the chalkboard. If the teacher writes it out without you doing your homework and you look at the board, yeah, I know how to do it. I, I can see you doing it. But until you do it yourself, then you don't really have the understanding. And that's why I, I think that, you know, the same thing. You should just keep quiet within yourself. With that question, with that question, yeah, they'll be asking that in the church, and then it'll it'll be it'll be answered for you, because my answer, my opinion, and everybody else's opinion is their opinion, and you're asking a spiritual question that needs to be answered from you from within. Only God knows your heart, and you, the individual, may not even know himself. Okay, did that help? Yeah, no, actually, I agree with Frank. I mean, I asked the question because it it kind of came to mind right now, but. I'm going to wait for God to give me the answer to it. I mean, I'm inside. I'm, I'm already asking that guy, that question of God. But I brought it up for the sake of fellowship, and it kind of came to mind right now. So but you're I, asking I really, God, you're so asking God if you're saved or not. <coughs> this moment, yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah. What did he say so far? I'm waiting. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm quietly he's a, waiting. He's a slow responder, huh? <laughs> but I agree with Frankie. Yes, ma'am. Um, like Frankie was saying, like Paul used to always have questions about God, and I always say, I don't know, I don't know. And the other day he came to me, he said, because he wanted to know where is God and what does he look like and stuff like that. As a child, I always believed that he was somebody big, because they always say he has the whole world in his hand and just looking at Right. and stuff like that, but he came to me and said, I think God's a spirit because we're spirits like when, we're die, when we die, and he's like us. And that got me to think, I said, oh, yeah. See that? that Smarter right. than the mother. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, very good. He's right about that, too. Yeah. He's absolutely right. He is a spirit. Everything we do is spiritual. We are spirit inside the body. Yeah, he's absolutely right about that. And I, I want to try to get this stuff answered in a minute here. Yes? Uh, I just want to say, I don't know about uh, this question about being saved. Uh, all I, uh, all I, I, uh, Are I you saved? Um, no, I don't think so. I, uh, you don't think you're saved? No. Why not? Because uh, I think that that's a, that's a question that's answered by time. Uh, by who? By time. By time and by the Lord. You know, uh, well, send us a note once you die. Yeah, you'll be tested. You're gonna be tested on the fire. Uh, who knows if we as things get tougher? Who knows if we give up or how it goes? Anyway, what I want to say was uh, was about he, he's talking about being the imagination and being that. Uh, you were talking about uh, doubting the doubt. Uh, I think that might have a bit to do with that. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. You know, the apostles, the apostles lived, and they, they lived and walked and talked with Christ. And, you know, I can, I can imagine they thought that they were saved and thought they had salvation. And, you know, um, Paul, what is it Paul said? Uh, things that I try to do, uh, I can't do, and the things that I can't do, I, I do, or something like that. And, and it's not until you give up of everything and, and completely submit and repent that you'll have salvation and you know everything up until that you know um, you know you're not saved okay Master, you want to wake up and tell us and then go right back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asleep oh are you meditating I was a minute ago but oh you were sleeping or in prayer sleep oh. <laughs> but he woke you up with that question uh, yeah and what's your answer to him or your response to him um, I, you know, I really don't know. Um, I think, I think it's what I agree with Frankie. That um, y'all better hope Frankie's right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's it's between you and God too, because I've I, I wanted that for years, you know. Yeah, I still don't have an answer to it. I don't know. Okay. I mean, what's your response to him in a few words or less? Uh, you, what, you're supposed to be saved, right? Yeah. What he was you're saying, saved? <laughs> yeah, well, I know with me... So what, why is Doug shaking her head? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but what, what uh, he was describing is the, the, road, the pathway to salvation. You're on the way there. And then, then you have a moment you have something happen to you where you have the salvation and you're, you're, you, don't, you have the power not to be irritated and angry and things don't get inside 
and there's, you know, that that just happens. Like it's just, a, it's just a blessing that just comes upon you. And I don't think it's like necessarily big lights and whatever, some big thing. It could just be a real quiet moment that it happens to you. Oh, that's deep, man. <laughs> oh, thank that you. That should have happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Did that help? No. He's a tough one. Yeah. I have one more thing. You know, I think if you ask that question, then, then you're not saved. Because if you knew, I mean, if you were, I think you'd know. So. Well, you definitely will know. Yeah. That's for sure. So we got the answer. You're not saved, so give it up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Real fast, I have about five minutes. Uh, David, King David, claimed his, claimed his salvation thousands of years before Christ was born. He, in the spirit, saw that, saw his salvation uh, approaching, and he claimed his salvation. Let me just say this about the question itself. First of all, you need to know that your mind, your thoughts, cannot conceive what salvation is at all. You know, it, it, cannot, it cannot put itself around what salvation is. So you're never going to figure this out in, in your mind, in your, in your imagination, in your thoughts. Um, the way to know that you're not, though, that you're having some issue is to, when it's, the way you find it is to know that you don't have it by admitting that you're wrong. If you could admit that you are, are, are wrong, if you can see yourself as you really are and don't hate what you see about yourself, don't judge it, don't resent it, then you can find it. It'll come. It'll, it'll take over you. And when it takes over you, you're going to have perfect peace within. You're going to have love, perfect love. You're not going to have any more doubts, any more fears, any more worries, any more insecurities. You're not going to look for love from other people, but you're going to have perfect peace. And once you find it, you're not going to lose it again. You don't go in and out of it. Just like you're in the hell you're in now, you're just there, and you're not going into love and coming back into hell. You're going to be either in hell, which is hate and judgment and resentment and decision-making, or you're going to be into salvation, saved from that, saved from your ego, saved from playing God. Once you find it, you will know it because you will be able to see and you will have perfect peace. And it's nothing like even the words I just gave you. Do not hold on to those words and try to think to yourself, that's what I'm going to get when I got it because the devil set you up to think you do have it and somebody come along and wipe you off your feet. Don't even hold on to those words at all. But the evidence is when you find it, you, have, you will have perfect peace. You will deal with your outer environment in a different manner. You know, the way you deal with life and the way you see things, you will start to see. I once was blind, but now I see. When you find it, you will know it. But you, you can't even conceive in your imagination what it's like. That's why even as I'm telling you the evidence of it, don't hold on to those words either because your pride will set you up with that. It'll, make you, it'll, make, it'll give you a false peace, and then when something happens, it'll make you doubt yourself and say, I'm not saved, and you'll trip out. 
So don't listen to the mind about it. Just let these words go in and in one ear and out the other. But when you find it, you will know it. And you are saved, but what you're saved from is your 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 false god like self playing God. That's what you're saved from. From your ego. And Christ came and made that possible. You're saved from your ego trying to be God. The ego that's always making decisions about things, every little thing, judging yourself and judging others, and it set you apart from God and cause you to think that you can solve your own life. Uh, you get mad at people when they, uh, they say the wrong thing to you or you know, they don't make you feel good. You, know, you live on the edge. All that is ego. All that is a life set apart from God. But when you do find this salvation, because Christ made it, we are already there. We just don't know it because we're into this head thing and can't admit that we're wrong. But when you do find it, there's a whole different life, a different way of living. And it's, it's natural and it's easy and it never changes. So when you, it is possible. Salvation is possible. As a matter of fact, salvation is just there. It's already there. It's right at hand, but you can't see it. Because you're a prideful person. You know, so it's already at hand. It's already done. It is finished. You just have to receive it, but you got to let go of something in order to receive it. That makes sense a little bit? Yes. So don't hold on to those thoughts, though. But when you get it, take it from me. I was a scared, insecure, weak, poor, pitiful, pathetic person. And I would read the Bible and I was doing everything. And I thought I had it. I didn't have it. Now I have it. I see the difference. Isn't that nice? Yes, sir. Why y'all looking like it? You can't <laughs> understand me. Yeah. You had your hand back. Well, you mentioned something about a false peace. But is it not also possible that... You know, Hermes was can see or uh, people see. Something. Oh yeah, I want to. That's they, can get a, they can get a glimpse of something. That's because right. God could show you like, it's like the man who was separated from heaven, but he could look over the side and he was getting the crumbs, but he could see the banquet. You know, he, yeah. He can give you like a look of something to see this is what is possible. You know, yeah, of. you're right. I want to thank you. You those glimpses that you're getting of it, it's trying to pull you into it. They're trying to, it's like your consciousness. You know, the Holy Spirit trying to tell you, hey, here's the real deal over here, but you're in the wrong place. And so just let that keep happening on its own. Don't make it happen. And if you truly are seeking what is right first, it'll happen naturally. You can't make it happen. But you are getting a glimpse of it, even in this hell hole that you're living in. But when you have it, then the hell hole starts to fade away and the light become apparent. But you do get a glimpse of it. Your consciousness is always trying to catch up with you. Now, some people kill their consciousness and they don't want it a part of it because they hate what's right. Even if they don't realize they hate what's right, they kill it. But it is always trying to catch up with us. God is always with us, trying to awaken us, but he's not going to force it. He's just going to introduce it to you, give you a glimpse of it. That's why when you sit still and know him, you allow yourself to calm down for just a moment. And he can come in and change it just like that. At the blinking of an eye, it can be changed. But you are, it's not like you're getting a glimpse of it. And I think that is real love. Even though we're prideful, egotistical, judgmental, 
angry people, he still try to reach out to us and save us from that. And that sounds like what you're giving, what you're getting. And a lot of folks get that once in a while. Yes. What What would be your mindset when? How How do you give up your ego so that if somebody is say cruel to you, you just allow that to be, and and you just let it be without you 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 don't. Because the ego gives you a strength. And how do you, you just give that up in your mind? You just let it go? Well, th that's a very good question. And I know it's, my time is up for the commercial, but I need to answer this. That's a very good question. The question is, how do you uh, just let that go when people are cruel to you? Because the ego gives you strength. And it does. It's not a real strength, but it, is, it can destroy you. Now, what happens is when you come into the love, when you come into salvation, the person that's being cruel to you, calling your names or lying about you, trying to destroy you, they have no power over you anymore because now you see where they're coming from. And you see that it's not them, but it's this thing that's made a home in them. And you have compassion for them. You will yet take action, whatever action you need to take, but it would be out of love and not out of hate. And that way you will win, whatever winning is. Because when you, when, you, um, when you are free of ego, words don't hurt anymore. A cruel person cannot hurt you. It's impossible. They can't get to you because you are separated from the world. You're in it, but not of it because you are now living from within instead of from without. And so... What's your mind thinking at the time? You're just... Oh, good question. Now, that ego mind is, is trying to yell at you, get them. Yeah. You know, they're being mean, they're being cruel, right. Right? right? But the love is saying, no, that's not the situation. It just, without words, it yeah. guides you in the right way to deal with it. It's and like, just wanting it will give you, get you there. Wanting what? Wanting, wanting to be complete with that side. Yes. Just wanting it. Sit still, be still and know God. And he would do the rest. You have to desire the truth first. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it will come. Just don't put your effort into it at all. Just know that you don't have it. Because you can see how you're reacting to the world around you. And just know that's coming from being separated from God, from the light. And don't deny it. Don't blame others. And then you'll have it. You will absolutely have it. It'll come on its own. The more you let go. That makes sense? Yeah. And then those people that, I mean, you know, people are cruel to me all the time. Yeah. But it just, it's just folks out there being cruel to me. It doesn't move me at all. Because I can see that they can't see. They can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. But yet, if I had to put them in jail, they'll go to jail. You know what I'm saying? I'll deal with the situation, but I'm not affected by it at all. Because I realize they just can't see. Angry people cannot see. That's why God said we have to forgive. We have to have love. They can't see. Insecure people cannot see. It's not personal. So you don't take it personally. They're, they're out to get you and you... I, I take nothing personal. Nothing personal. No. So they're and just out there, just screaming and yelling and whatever. That's right. And it's like there's a wall or something. Yes. It's like looking at a good movie. It's, it's just like looking at a good movie. And you, you can't, you don't even have to, it's just the way it is. It's a way of life now. 
Okay. When you're born again, it's a way of life. It's not personal. But that's a very good question. I'm out of time, right? I need to do a commercial thing, though? Yeah. Two minutes? Uh, if you have any questions about today's meeting, you can, uh, again, call us at 1-800-411-BOND or email church at bondinfo.org. Uh, we talked about be still and knowing. You know, God said be still and know. We got to let go because it is a spiritual issue. Everything we do is spiritual. We are a spirit, and there's nothing of ourselves that we can do. So be still and know would allow, it's a prayer that will cause you to just calm down, and God will rise you, uh, bring you out of the darkness of your imagination. He will cause you to see, and you start to live a life of spiritual discovery, and everything will be added unto you. So get a copy of Be Still and Know. We also have the seven guaranteed steps to spiritual, family, and financial success. Um, this information is going to be going to come up and write in there anyway after is it beforehand Doc, or afterward I can't hear you. yeah before you know go back on the website at bondinfo.org we need your tithing your offerings your donations um, you can do it by going online at bondinfo.org or call our 800 number at 1-800-411-BOND and again I can reply to your comment or question next Sunday if, you know, something should come up this week that you need to ask. We also provide counseling, too, at that same number, 1-800-411-BOND. I appreciate you guys coming alive a little bit. You guys are pretty dead today. But in order to bring the best out of me, you need to have a life during the week. So try to have a life this week. Let something happen. So you'll have something to talk about, all right? But I appreciate the feedback today. Anyway, it's a spiritual battle. It's a warfare between good and evil. God said, be still and know him. Of ourselves, we can do nothing. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless you. Thank you, guys.